Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. Let's get into it, boys. And Ham. Yeah. So the special grand final preview edition for the two grades. Now, I'm reliably informed this isn't the first time that there's been the NRLW and the NRL uh, one team's made both finals, but we have the opportunity to win both grand finals, oh, which will, hasn't been done before. I'll put an asterisk to that because in 2018, when the Roosters first did it, there was uh, no play into the grand final. It was literally the top two-seeded teams after the uh, two round-robin games that went straight to the grand final. So this is the first time in both the six-team NRLW era and the proper final series era that a team's achieved it. Okay, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. Um, all right, well, let's start off before we get to that. Can I just say before uh, before we get into the uh, 60-minute mark last Friday night, cast your, your mind back. I don't want uh, to. Tua Lungi has just scored in the corner and they've just uh, kicked eight, in head, eight ahead. Do you think at that point in time, did you think we'd be here uh, previewing an Eels berth in the grand final? Not one bit. <laughs> no. Not one I, bit. I, 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 I kept the faith, boys, but... I'll tell you what, at the league's club around me, you just you could feel the energy just get sucked out of the room like there was a freaking energy vampire in there. Everyone just felt like it's going to happen again. We're going to have our hearts broken. <laughs> it was just because it, it was all the defence we'd done in the first half, all the drop ball, and I just went, we, we won't have the energy to come back from eight points down. Yeah, we had no oh, board. I thought maybe one try will get back, but not, not like a... If it was only six in front, I would have confident, but no, I was already... Looking for who can we sign for next year? <laughs> I was already on the bandwagon for that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, before we do get into the preview, let's go to the review. So we'll start with the uh, the men's, which was Eels twenty four over the Cowboys twenty up at Townsville Country Bank Stadium up there. Let's just quickly go through. Oh, sorry, we'll go through the try scores first. Penasini, uh, a double to Regan Campbell Gillard or a brace if you like. Uh, make a Sevo. And for the Cowboys, they had Ruben Cotter, Leilua, and Tuolagi. And then Mitch Moses, perfect from the boot, four from four. And that one missed penalty goal, which then resulted in the uh, the ultimate uh, four points ahead. Uh, in the possession stakes, we lost that, 46%. The Cowboys had an extra six minutes time in possession. The Cowboys completed 36 sets of 43 to our 27 from 36. So Cowboys completing as many sets as we had total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we ended up completing 75% at being, I think we're about 50% in the first half. Uh, the Cowboys had 30 extra runs. They had gained, gained us by 250 metres. They had 100 extra post-contact metres. Six line breaks apiece. The Cowboys had 40 tackle breaks to our 31. Our average set distance, we had about an extra metre. And average play the ball speed, we lost that by about 0.1 seconds. Offloads, we killed that again, 15 to 7. And then getting down to kicks, kick defusal, it was just Wonga Blake had the one drop. Uh, we each forced to drop out uh, each. Uh, we Our effective tackle percentage is where we really made up for it. At 88% to the Cowboys, 84%, we made an extra 60 tackles. And we missed an extra nine tackles, so 40 tackles missed. And we only had nine ineffective tackles, although the Cowboys had 24. And so looking at errors, we had 11 to the Cowboys, 6. We conceded 77 penalties to the Cowboys, 5. Three ruck infringements to the Cowboys, 1. And one sin bin to the Cowboys to none to us with the two HIAs for the Eels. Um, now, just starting on that, that sin bin, so obviously... Um, at least 10 minutes in the bin, that was the right call. I didn't see it live, but obviously on the replay, it was flush. Um, shoulder charge, direct contact to the head. Uh, perhaps 
if it wasn't a finals game, is that borderline send off? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that yeah, was that's a that send-off was all day, every day. Miles <laughs> late, off the ball, direct forceful contact to the head. That that is a hundred percent a send off every other it game. It doesn't matter if it was a shoulder charge or because I saw I think it was Nick Lucy make a tweet saying not a shoulder charge, but in that instance it doesn't matter. It's a shoulder to yeah, the head, forceful contact to the head. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, if it wasn't a grand final qualifier, if it wasn't the prelim, then there is. If it wasn't Jason Tamalolo. True. I mean, that, that obviously plays a factor in it too. We know that superstar if decisions. If it was, I don't know, who's a Cowboys no-name? Neem on the bench. Yeah, if it was Griffin Neem, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100% is a send-off. And it, it's it's just funny that the, obviously the media try and milk controversy for its worth, but the fact that so much of the narrative of the game was Parramatta profited from the forward pass, not Tamalolo should have been sent or that Mitchell Moses was obstructed, or that Kyle felt knocked on. You know, both both those two indiscretions leading to tries as well, by the way. Uh, but yeah, for, for the Tamalolo thing, boys, uh, that should have been a send. But whatever, you know, it's football, and we managed to overcome it. All right, well, having a look at that, uh, first 10 minutes, let's start there. Um, Cowboys on top, rolling down the field, uh, but the forward pass try to Mitch Moses... Uh, obviously, for uh, sorry, from Mitch Moses rather, mm-hmm. uh, resulting in the Penasini try. Obviously, forward. I think we can all cop that. Yeah, yeah. My, my gut reaction live was like, how did they let that go on replay? It's it wasn't as anywhere near as egregious as it and looked initially, but it was a forward pass, and it just makes you wonder again. And this has been an issue we've been discussing throughout this entire year and beyond. Boys, is what do the touches do in the modern game? What are they looking? He was at? in line with it. He was he? in line with it. Like he was. You you can, you can actually see him on the wide angle broadcast view. He is directly in line. What is he looking at? Are his eyes actually painted on? Well, that, that's, that's the thing. I, we're skipping ahead here. But you talk about what, what touchies are doing. Like, that Kyle felt no try in the second half. I'm pretty sure the touchy says he's out, but check it. And then all of a sudden, Atkins is like, oh, try. Well, hang on a sec. Your touchy's right there telling you he's out. And you can send that Why up as a no try. Why are you a try? Yeah. Because that, that, that burden of, of doubt is huge. Like, if your touchy's saying no try... Send it up, no try, because then yeah. you need to, to overturn if it's a tr- if you send up a try and there's a suggestion that it's out, but it's not you know reasonable doubt, then you're going to you know jip the team that's been told that it's gone up as a try. So crazy, yeah. Um. All right, and then looking at that, Ruben Cotter going over, uh, that was a bit soft. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that uh, my my gut reaction initially was to get really upset at Reed Marnie. It was it looked like it was a bit of miscommunication once I saw the replay because Guffo was sort of in that spot as the fullback and then pushing out to vacate it to get across the posts. And then Murata was caught at marker. Reed was too far across. He was shaded to the outside shoulder, not directly in line. And Cotter just holds up and then you know, goes for the line and yeah, big time. So it was, it was a good, it was smart footy from Cotter actually. When you, when you watch it, because Gutho actually points at the hole, <laughs> he's pointing in where to run, but he was, he was actually pointing for Murata to obviously fill that hole and push hard from marker. And if, if Murata goes there, then that tries and scored. Like that's just sort of, you know, that extra one, that's the 1% people are talking about. All right, and then Regan Campbell-Gillard hits back with a, a pretty soft try of his own. I mean, that comes that comes back to what we are talking about before with, uh, before we were recording with Ryan Madison, wasn't it? You know, just that sensational touch that he's had in the finals, uh, that guile out of the hand, the ability to uh, play so clean out the back to Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown or Quinton Gufferson, whoever's going to be the sweeper. Uh, they used the mix up there and went short, oh, I say short, shorter, uh, with the cutout ball to Reg, and he just strolled over. And the, the the post-try reaction to that actually cracked me up because you could see on two fronts, A, first, the, the severity of the conditions 
uh, Reg just gets up and celebrates quietly with Junior. And I think also just their mindset. That was also a reflection of the fact that they didn't want to blow their load emotionally in the first half of this game. Um, with that one, I, I can't remember the shape. Were we shaped to go out the back there? Double blockers uh, in the forwards to play out the back, I think, Ham, if I recall correctly off the top of my head. Because, you know, that sort of, from memory, Townsend shot up out of the line yes, looking he, yep, to yep, shut down. Yep. Yes, sir. And I so think yeah, they've been, they're being cheating. They've been cheating on that a little, a little bit in this game, and that was a nice little variation to catch him out in the 18th minute. All right, and then the penalty goal just before half time, which saw us going in at 12 all. Um, so the stack continues. If we are level or are in the lead at half time, we have not lost a game this season. There you go. Good stats. Yeah, good stats. Uh, Great stats. I think Penrith are pretty much the same as well, aren't they? Uh, I'm no, not sure because they went ahead in before us in. Um, the first round game, didn't they? Let me pull that game up for you. I feel like they were ahead against us. Uh, where is 22-20? Half time was 10-all. 10-all. Oh, so, there you go. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, they still can't uh, level with that stat because no, if we but, were... That's right. So we, we, yeah. we hold the level or better stat. They hold just the better stat. I mean, if they're ahead at half time, they haven't been beaten this year. So they're the key indicators there for that game. All right, then coming out after half time, I, th- I thought we started off the second half pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the big thing for me was that Mitch had had those two miscues consecutive, I think, off the side of the boot, uh, kicking to the right sideline. And, you know, I think he sort of he choked up on his kick after that in the first half. He sort of tried to uh, take a little power off to make sure it stayed in. But in the second half, he got back to kicking freely. And I think that was part of the reason why we looked so good coming out of the half, even if obviously the game sort of took a turn. Uh, to the Cowboys' favour. But then, unfortunately, uh, they come up and what led to the Tuolangi try? There was there was something in the lead-up to that, wasn't there? Oh. Was that the one with the missed knock-on? No, no, the Kyle Felt knock-on was uh, before the Ruben Cotter try, I believe. Oh, was it? Sorry. Yeah, and and, and then, uh, sorry, we didn't touch on it, but the Luciano Lua, I know they can't go back and check it because oh. um, the, it, it's the previous play at that point, um, but I, I thought that was a clear, clear penalty. Yeah, and, and uh, Annesley agreed to. I mean, that was blatant obstruction. The only reason he trips over people, and I saw people trying to justify that he wouldn't be in the play anyway because he, he, he sort of dived. The only reason he fell over was because he was trying to free himself of the uh, the grip. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that was clearly a penalty. And, and freaking Leilua has got a habit of scoring against us, but at least this one it didn't count. So, Like if the, if the ref saw it, he should have, you know, usually call timeout and give him time, give Moses time to get back in line because yeah, I, he contributed it, but... I, I, I'm sick of the uh, – this is an attack on you, Bertie. This is an attack on the officials. I am as sick of the stop the game, tell them to go back on the mark when they've deliberately walked off or they're interfering with the markers. Start penalising the people in possession. Like, honestly, mm. it, it just enough is enough. The, there is so much of this garbage in the ruck now uh, from the offensive side of things. Right, and moving on from that. <clears throat> so, Tuolangi, nice put down in the corner. Um what are we thinking there? We, we touched on it before. We're thinking, oh, God, we're gassed. Um, thought we'd started that second half pretty well. Um, we hadn't really had much opportunity down the other end, but we're sort of getting in the set-for-set set grind and just completing our sets, which we hadn't done in the first half. But that, that one seemed like a dagger. And, and to Alangi, I tell you what, he was pumping up the home crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it because I felt like we were on top. We started to get on top because we sort of went set-for-set. Set, and then on their third kick... I'm going to say Micah received the ball on about the 30-metre line and got up past the 40. So we were going right on the... I feel like that was before this try. I was going, okay, we're, we're, we're going to win this year. Like, we've gone 
rod on top. We got, and then someone made a mistake or a or a pen. Was that the Wanga Blake penalty for the hair pull? Yeah, oh yes, that yeah, is yeah. right. That, that was pretty yeah. rubbish penalty as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was the one I worked that, uh, that they were banging to go for 10. Freaking. Imagine, imagine, imagine that. If they had sent one to Blake for 10 for an accidental hair pull, they would have deemed that to be the same as Jason Tamalolo shouldering a player in the, in the jaw. And, <laughs> imagine and if they did that. The lead up to that try, freaking Valentine Holmes, that is a one in a thousand play that he pulled off in, that, in the context of what he did. He jumped angled infield to catch the pass and then the one motion turns crossbody and throws that ball like shockingly flat like I don't even think it traveled forwards it was like shockingly flat to Tulungi to set up the try it was an absolutely insane circus play and you could understand why so many Eels fans had their hands in their heads and their hearts shattered because it just it felt like at that point uh, that the you know the footy gods had conspired to break our backs and break our souls one more time and with that, Holmes probably he's been one of the form centers of the season. Yeah. So, and we we did um, a great job shutting him down was a big task. Up, up until that point, and and even past that point, we've done such a great job putting a lid on him. But it just shows you that that sort of class, you know, can still produce absolute bullshit <laughs> when it, when the game's had to be won at times. Now, speaking of absolute bullshit, then the hit back from Regan, Regan Killer. Campbell Gillard rather five minutes later stroll through almost untouched pulled pulled uh, Reed Marnie I have to say his work around the ruck um, pulled a lot of the right range especially when we got in the opposition twenty because it seemed every time uh, we weren't down there many times but every time we were we were scoring a try um, but that that was just pure, beautiful work from Reed um, that pass straight onto Reg uh, isolates Jason Talmalilo who can't get across to make. Yep, can't yep. get across to make the tackle. And I, I I know he had 10 minutes off earlier in the game, but um, and, and we haven't even touched on this yet, the HIAs for us, which caused a couple of interchanges. Um, but I, I thought the bench use of Peyton for, for Tamalolo and some of their other um, middles and edges uh, was somewhat lacking um, compared to, I guess, BA's bench use. Um, but especially with this one, with RCG, just bang straight over awards himself the try. Oh, mate. The the gobble he gave Atkins as he got up with that was so good. Oh, I was worried he might have been penalised. Like, scored the try, but then penalised halfway. But, yeah, that what a clutch moment. Uh, I, I mean, I know I've been very harsh on Reed this year, uh, personally. Bloody crash ball. Yeah. We, and and on, the pod, on the podcast, we've been really into him about you know taking the wrong options. But we don't make this run to the grand final without the form that he is in now. He is... He's gotten it all together at the right time of year, like a couple of players, like Murata, like Guffo, you know, some of these real core players. And Reed was instrumental in Townsville on Friday, made a whole ton of tackles. And, you know, I know he missed tackles. If you look at the numbers, it's not going to look as pretty in terms of missed tackles. But a lot of that was pushing from the middle corridor to the edges to help create numbers and, and getting bumped on the side there, but letting a guy get there in time. And in this case, with that try assist, absolutely huge. And Reg, what a player. Like, seriously, the the... The fact that – I suppose we can talk about this later, but the fact that he was not one of the props of the year alongside Tarpanay is absolutely criminal. The guy's been absolutely immense. And this I game, thought um, – I thought – sorry to interrupt. I thought, no, right. you know, Simonson wasn't – Simonson had a very good game. He wasn't in the top five best players, but his speed and strength out of like coming out of like a scooting run, so I think he's just – it's something we – like, he looks bigger than Oppa. He looks faster than Oppa. Oppa is a safe uh, player defensively and runs – he's not as good – but I feel as though um, Simonson, he's got that footwork and and the strength to actually like. I hate I hate comparing him, but like Rapata has that similar traits. He's he's got footwork and speed and strength, and I feel as though that was uh, crucial for us because 
you know, we'll defend the whole time. We'll hardly get out of our own, uh, red, our own sorry, our own half. And I feel as though his runs were helping us. He's kind of like, um, and Penesini does the same thing as well, but yeah, he, he sort of darts across field and has the strength to get um, break a tackle or two. So I thought he had a very good game to come in and play center, you know, which is a bit. No, oh, well said, Betty. Absolutely. One Has he played center preview to this? I, he, I know he's played in in, in, uh, in Reggie's, Cup. yeah. And I know at Canberra, I think he was listed as like a sort of like not center utility, but he played center. But I thought primarily being a fullback winger at Canberra. Yeah, so so he can play like one to five now. That's and you know I know I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but that's a valuable position that play to have in our squad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sort of takes over the opposite role, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, just having a look, he's only played one game at center. Previous to uh, so just step stepped into the biggest game of his life in some of the most challenging conditions on the road and has a like Bertie said it wasn't man the match or best on field best or best free on field sort of effort but came in and did the job. There you go. He's only ever played centre in finals matches because he's played a qualifying final against Melbourne and they won. So I know, I know the club go. also have Zaxini playing centre as well. He was a winger. He came to us as a winger. So maybe the club probably sees something with these two or like they just want to try something, like have more cover, more depth at centre. But it's interesting that both of them were playing centre at our reserve grade uh, for you know large parts of the season. All right. So I touched on it just before bench use. So the early knockout of, um, of uh, ice over on that right yep. edge brought in... Um, who came on initially so for Ice? Ryan, it- Ryan Madison came on. Ryan Maddow came to the middle, and then we shifted Nia Cora out Correct. to that uh, second yes. edge row. Yep. Yeah, so and we- then and then Laney copying the poke in the eye from Dill, I think it was. Yes. Uh, which saw him changed out for uh, Bryce Cartwright. Um, Bryce, uh, he probably did himself out of a grand final appearance uh, oh, when, oh, when oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, with that really bad offload. Uh, what were we? I think we're on the first tackle, oh, and that was 30, the first 30, time we had 30 minutes out. There. Set restart had just been called a late set restart, to be fair. And all we needed to do was just tuck the ball, run hard, and he tried the force. Probably score, I reckon. Tried the force, a little squib offload out the back, and I, I don't know if it was Kyle Feld or whoever it was, but someone dived on the ball. And yeah, it just it did not need to happen. And like you said, Hamish, probably cost him a spot in the grand final. Um, but other than that, I thought the bench use, um, you know, I thought uh, the, the way that we rotated with Reg and Junior um, was really fantastic. Uh, that, you know, I, of course, starting with Murata Nair Corey, we know that Ryan Madison gets named at 13, but Ryan is going to start, start every week. And I, I that utility um, uh, value in Murata, who can, we saw... Um, he's gone out and played centre before. He can move over, shift second row and play some second row if he needs to fill in. And then also starting at lock and just bringing that power and punch up through the middle. And I think Bertie's touched on it in the last couple of weeks, but um, his form at the back end of the year has just, it's improved out of sight from where he was earlier in the season. Um, obviously carrying some nickels and stuff throughout the year, but you know, this final series, he's really peaked as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is probably going to be a career stretch for him, isn't it? When he looks back at it, when all said and done, a couple of years down the track, he has reached the the absolute zenith of his potential, and it's been fast. I, as a fan, been awesome to watch him come back in and hit his best. And like I said, with Reed, with Guffo, they're, they're the reason why this team has been able to go to the heights it has. These guys just hitting career best touch. Um. All right. So let's get into it. Make a Sevo. That's that that the try that Maker gets. Uh, what a beautiful play. Bertie, you want to lead this uh, one off, mate? Oh yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah, just um, short. You know, I'm just taking a thing. I think Sean Lane. Sorry, Sean Lane has these crazy offloads. Like 
he sometimes he feels uncomfortable using two hands when he makes it like how many times he makes a break and he has a one one handed offload and it looks awkward but he sort of feels comfortable with it. But um this one it was sort of like a hit and spin and flick out the back and you know some Cowboys fans are obviously crying it was forward but it came off uh, Kyle Felt so mm. and just the how um and I think he said he was aiming for um the center Simonson so it's just. Look, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say, you know, he's like the next best, uh, you know, second rounder comp. Like, he's like David Feeder level hype or, you know, um, like kick out sort of thing. But I feel as though he has, he looks like a vanilla player. And I'm not disrespecting him. He looks vanilla. He has <laughs> one, you know, missile. one trick pony. But this guy is unbelievable. He's got tricks galore. Like, he can charge it down. You know, I'm just waiting for him to do a chip and chase one day, you know. And he just knows how to hit a hole really well. Like, and it's just. I don't know what it is. I think either we're sleeping on him or, you know, we just don't believe in him, but he's just, he's proven us so wrong. And it's just, a, you know, a couple of years, a few years back, I remember hearing a story when he was at Manly Reserve Grade or something. He made a break and threw it and then it was, and then they ended up losing the game because of that. Like he was, he had, he had so much hate coming out of the Warriors or, you know, coming from the Warriors into the Manly. Like he's just, he's come so far. And, you know, we, we praised Papali'i the last couple of years where he came from the Warriors, but I feel as though Lane has come further than Papali'i, you know? And, you know, there's only a couple, you know, last year or the year before, we are thinking he's lazy in defense and um, he just, you know, looks for shortcuts, but I feel as though he's knuckled down. I don't know what it is. It's probably the meditation. But, yeah, it's, it's done wonders baby. for him. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I said at this, so, sorry, 40, I That's said right. um, after the Dragons trial, I'm pretty sure Lane had two charge downs, Reed had one. I said, put the charge down away. <laughs> put it away. And we haven't seen it all year. Uh, hey, and he- in the most critical time, Lane he sh- throws out those arms, gets a light touch on the yeah. ball. Not even a on full charge down. On that the yeah. Because oh, hey. our full charge down, we probably don't get the ball. Yes, the, 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 the was, little mini charge down was the key to it. Was how he it recovered was, uh, possession. Lee Carvello's putting challenge. It was a fed touch. <laughs> or, or, or like when they play, you know, volleyball and they just set it up for the guy to spike it. It was just yeah. A, yeah, the, the, a gentle touch that's for Dylan. Right. And- the, the, was it Rubio, whatever they call those guys, that have just like the little touches in the middle. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he did have one other charge down this year, by the way, boys, and it was in the game against Melbourne. Uh, he had a clutch charge down there that Reed Money recovered, I believe. Uh, that's right. But – yeah, the big thing for me of Laney, and obviously that circus basket pass, that the, the 180 no-scope basket pass was just, you know, obviously icing on the cake. But watching him in the second half, when he gets to work, it doesn't make a difference if he's getting downhill with good early ball or if Dylan can just feed him flat. He's become one of the hardest blokes to stop post-contact-wise. He just chews through the defense. He, he sucks down their energy, getting multiple guys in to try and stop him, gets over the ad line every time, and then he can still slip an offload. So... He, That's the thing, because was... like when, when you go to tackle him, like Dill helps him out massively, getting him one on one or chucking him underneath. But if you tackle him up high, he's going to keep pushing through the tackle, which we haven't seen until this year. If you go low on him, he's going to offload the ball. Yep. Like he's just he's just got it, and he's just focused, and he's doing so well this year. And you know, I, I'm going to have to admit, I, I was going. I thought his time on the edge was done. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the, 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 earlier the in this year, there was a, a brief period where he spent some time in the middle, and uh, we had Maddo on the edge, I believe. We'd done a little, little swapsies there. Uh, but uh, whatever he did, whether it was reading Tools of Titans, which I saw on his bookshelf in that interview of 360, which you know might have sparked that whole meditation sort of thing where he's managed to streamline his mindset, but he has just become a new player. And you know the, the full realisation of that unique physical uh, skill set, you know, the guy's two metres tall, well built, you know, he's not skinny, even though he, you know, he's that tall, 
just so powerful and he's got the ability to to run and pass and we saw that in full effect not just this game but through the finals and the back end of the season so what what an incredible player he's been for us and it looks like there's some good news in that regard we can talk about shortly after it's like he knows like and you look at the Canberra game as well with other games it's like once he knows he can beat you or when he beats the when he beats the guy his his opposition first he just keeps going at it and we keep going at it and like it's like as if he gets confidence with every run he's like I already beat him I'm going to break this tackle like even the Broncos game up in um, in Brisbane like he just kept targeting that edge and he, we kept feeding him the ball and every time he you know he got the ball he was he, he either made a line break or um, pretty much uh, put someone in through. So it's like as if every time, as soon as he beats his first man or first guy, he just, you know, his confidence grows and it gets better every every run. All right. And touching on, um, uh, uh, sorry, thereafter, um, Mono called those last 10 minutes the 10 minutes of hell. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I could not sit down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 you know, a few people around me had their um, – Apple watches on saying their heartbeat was this. I could hear my heartbeat going, especially in that final set, because I was just going, I, I know, I know this. I know what happens here. Parramatta, you know, Cowboys score out wide, Valentine Holmes kicks a goal. Or they score under the post, mm-hmm. Valentine's kicks mm-hmm. a goal. I, I know I know what's gonna happen. And then when that ball flung out and Bailey I thought they were gonna I, I, this is how bad it was. I thought they were gonna call a Bailey Simonson knock on. I thought they might have gone for a strip oh, on the ground. Yeah, uh, that that was like my thing. Like, oh no, strip on the ground, give them a chance to take the you know the tap and and go again. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I was that, thinking they're going to call a scrum and he's going to call time off straight away to give him one yeah, second. Yeah, instead of you know letting the, the clock bleed. But yeah, I mean that play was built on both Dylan and Sean Lane being aggressive out of the line, uh, sort of forcing the issue and, and making sure that that pass, which was a bad one, uh, couldn't be scooped up easily. And then obviously Bailey with the hustle to dive on the ball, so. Yeah, that that whole stand, you could take a knife and just cut through the air. It was the, the tension was that thick, you know. Wherever you're watching the league, club like me at home with your family or with you know any sort of gathering socially, uh, that that last stand, and I say last stand, it was dragged out over ten plus minutes, was just crazy. You know, the Cowboys had nothing left in the tank, neither did we, and it was just a matter of who wanted it more. You know, who could harness those emotions better, and it was the Parramatta Eels. I mean, when yeah. Moses kicked it, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, when Moses kicked it, I thought, damn, he had a bad kick because there's a seven tackle set. And my brother's sitting next, next to me saying, oh, it's all right. They've got to go 80 metres to score. And then tackle three, they're on a 20 metre. And I'm like, see what happens when you open your mouth? And then I was <laughs> to, like, to be really, fair, it's like one set. Just give me your best set. And then when, when the ball got to the ground, I was thinking, just dive on the ball. Because if they dive on it, you know, the referee might say it went backwards. And then they got one last play. And I'm like, just don't do the whole grand final thing when they when they tied it up against the Broncos. Like it just that I was that, so nervous. That kick you mentioned for Mitch, I, I thought it was a cruel jake from the footy gods once again because for all money, that was going to find touch and not the end goals. But it just took that nasty turn at the last last possible rotation to go in goals. But it was also largely academic too because it was one set either way, and we just had to make the stand. Uh, you know, going down the field there. And sorry, just before that last set, Kyle felt in the corner. Make a Sevo, um, you know, he was a bit slow coming out of the blocks, coming back from that knee uh, injury from last year. But his defence, and, and especially not just his defence, but the defence on both edges, uh, since about, you know, I'd, I'd say about two months ago, um, it was really after the Broncos game, um, the slide on the edges and the ability to take away space on the outside quickly and have those covers not only on the outside to press uh, players up against the sideline, but also to cover the back 
um, when when the uh, opposition run unders lines to come mm. back in has just been, um, you know, I, I guess a, a massive game changer for us and a real big reason why we're in the grand final. Yeah. Like that scramble defence on Friday night was otherworldly. Yeah, there's going to be when when we do the season review and one way or another, hopefully with that big W next to name on Sunday. But when you look back at those key moments in the season, that transition to the slide defense, Hamish, is absolutely one of the critical ones. Uh, that that completely changed the complexion of the season. Uh, but felt he's had a history of getting, you know, hat tricks against uh, the Eels and really uh, having one over. But uh, make a Sevo uh, take a bow for that defensive effort. One, getting him to put his foot on the line. And two, I know they didn't show the replay, but uh, the ball was put out on... Uh, on a combination of the goal uh, of the uh, corner post and out mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. it showed speed. Usually, we're not talking about Sivo having speed, and like especially him turning around. You know, he's like, you know, it's game over. But the fact is, he he hustled back real quick, and you know, uh, it's like as if if he said, "Oh, he, he's coming off a knee injury," I wouldn't believe it because he's, you know, he's he looks quicker, it looks uh, a bit smaller. Hard to believe, but he's still, you know, a unit. But yeah, um, you know, we've come up against wingers the last four or five weeks and we've just put them into touch. You know, you look at that uh, the Raiders game as well, we put the wingers into touch plenty of times. So I've, and I've, I feel it was probably back to the Manly game. You know, the first half, you know, Wonga Blake was getting torched by Saha, but after that, the halftime adjustments, I feel as though they've, they've finally clicked and think, you know, it's we don't have to rush him. We can just, you know, sit on our heels and slide and show the, show the use the sideline as another defender. So, yeah, I think it's great uh, edge defense. Well, that's probably, you know, if you had one big criticism of the team this year was our defence and it was the way our centres and wingers would come up and in. So we've now fixed that. I, we're not a perfect team. I don't think anyone could claim that. Um, but we're one step closer to being at the absolute best that this team and squad can be. There's just a few little tweaks here and there that we could make. But I think, you know, with the way they're defending now, it's gone a long way to... You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the end of our premiership window. That's all right. You know, we might not win a premiership, but this is still a top four squad next year, and that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And just with that, some of the mammoth efforts, those last three defensive sets, uh, Sean Lyon, he was everywhere. Ryan Madison, he was everywhere. Reed Marnie, he was everywhere. Just the the will, um, you know, an absolutely sapping performance. Our first half was diabolical. Um, but to outlast the Cowboys when the whole talk coming into this, uh, coming into the prelim was the Eels won't be able to face up to the conditions up there. Townsville have, one, the home crowd advantage, but two, the weather advantage, playing in that heat, training in that heat, uh, thriving in the humidity. Um, but I thought, really, we came home the stronger. And um, Cowboys, they've been a team that has sort of built themselves on um, on their fitness and, and outlasting opponents and getting them late in the game, um, we did so well just to hang on at the end there and really showed uh, that this squad's just as fit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a gallant team effort. They dug so deep. And, you know, you look at the stats that you said at the start of the show, Hamish, uh, all the predictive stuff that you can get from that pointed towards not just the Cowboys victory, but an emphatic Cowboys victory possession. Importantly, running meters, uh, one of the most uh correlative stats in terms of numbers to success rate or said that the Cowboys would win this game if you looked at it without looking at the scoreline. And Parramatta was just dug deeper and they wanted it more. And, you know, we, we talk about sports uh, cliches and all the sort of euphemisms used, but this was full credit to the boys. This is the sort of game where you sit back and say they played that so hard. And, yeah, that, that's why they won. We've also done that early. Was it the Melbourne game earlier this year? Or maybe even the Penrith game? 
where they dominated all the stats, but it, the stat that we won was tries scored and goals kicked. Mm. Mm. So, you know. All right. Well, let's jump into the women's game, which, again, another surprising upset. Eels 24 to the Roosters 10, previously undefeated Roosters uh, squad. Uh, try scorers, uh, try scorers, rather, Ashley Quinlan, Abby Church, Talia Preston and Raquel Horn. Uh, Talia Preston, four from four off the boot and missed one penalty goal. Uh, to the Roosters, uh, Shania Power and Sarah Togatuki getting over and Zahara Tamara, only one from two off the boot. Um, I didn't get to watch much of this. I watched a bit of the replay, but from my viewing, it seemed that uh, the Eels just dominated from the outset. Yeah. It's a completely different team to what was... You know, I know they won last... Well, the, they built on what they uh, did against the Broncos. Like, mm-hmm. It was just a completely different squad. I know they went down by two points and six points in some of those games, but there was energy, there was passion, there was skill, there was toughness, there was aggression, there was just everything. It was, just, it was an incredible performance. And like I know the, the Roosters clawed back there, but that was a 20-point win. That, that deserved a 20-point win. They absolutely dominated from, from go to woe. And I know the the Roosters dropped two balls over the line, but you know I, I, I don't think they deserve them. Parramatta, you know, that was just sort of the Roosters having the two best centres in the game, the best uh, fullback, one of the better halves in Racine McGregor, um, brilliant forwards. Like again, how are they under the salary cap? Who knows? <laughs> um, that was them, a product of them having a. It's it said a thousand times, champion team over a team of champions. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what Parramatta had against the Roosters there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Ham, this was a, a win that was built the week before against the Brisbane Broncos. We we found our identity, we found our foundations. They came out here, and you know, Dean Witters, full credit to him. He's done a great job, and this is an argument as to why the NRLW needed a longer, like a regular season, because being able to actually build into the season is a real thing. We've seen that with the Eels now. But to use a couple of Brad aphorisms. The girls went out there, they chased the collision, they front-loaded their efforts, and they ran right over the Roosters as a result. In the middle, you know, Ellie Johnson, really strong. Kendi Charrington, outstanding, uh, just superhuman in this game. Smyma Telfer is always, you know, heroic. But then just across the park, you know, the, the centres did such a good job marking up against superstar opposition. Uh, you got Abby Church, who was thrown into the fire, and she did a really good job. Scored a try of her own, held her own. And on the other side, Rakia Horn still in the deal for a nice little individual effort there. Well, I say individual effort, but taking that kick and then stepping back inside the score. Yeah, th- this is a game where Gail Broughton was huge, uh, Ash Quinlan. I mean, the, the dichotomy between the two halves is really fascinating because Taylor Preston so good between the 20s. You know, she'll steer the team around and has arguably the best clearing kick in the competition now. And then Quinlan just takes over once we get inside the red zone. And she's a threat with the ball in hand with the ability to run and step off that left foot and also fire some really, really good passes right to left. So, yeah, this was a fantastic game. Simple game plan, but that's all you need sometimes. They just came out there and played better and hungrier than the Roosters. And, yeah, I, I think looking back at the season, is like I know the first game that we had against the Roosters ended up in a bit of a blowout, but it was quite – it was, it was a tight contest for most of it. And then looking at – the other losses that they had, you know, they were all very close margins against the Knights, the Dragons, and then um, the Titans. It was, you know, the, the, there was only one game where they, uh, the biggest margin in those games was six um, against Newcastle in week two. So. I was thinking on that, Hamish, because you made a good point about that first meeting between these two teams. And it, I'm not going to try and draw parallels because, you know, regular weeks just, you can't do it. 
But it's very similar to how we played the the Panthers in the NRL finals week one in that round one NRLW game. We turned the ball over constantly, cheaply in our own half. We invited a great team to go on the attack and we're able, despite that, we're able to hold with them for, you know, three quarters, two thirds of the game, just as we were NRL and NRLW in those corresponding fixtures. But at some point it becomes too much and we saw it in round one of the finals for the NRL and also in round one of the NRLW. But this time around, it was the reverse. They held on to the ball. They controlled possession. They managed to work downfield, and suddenly the Roosters were the ones trying to scramble for solutions. So hopefully, you know, for, for both both the NRL and NRLW, that's going to be a precursor of what's to come. Yeah, so I guess it, it lines up another meeting with Newcastle next week, um, and that should be, you know, as I was saying, that's the, the, the deficit was six last time, and uh, there was some uh, dubious uh, refereeing decisions <laughs> in that in that matchup, if I must say. Um, so hopefully the girls will be out yeah. for a little bit of vengeance and, and to prove their mettle against uh, what has been one of the better teams in the comp this season. Important milestone for the competition too, by the way, boys. Uh, first time ever uh, no find out, uh, foundation clubs have made the grand final. Uh, two expansion clubs, sister clubs in the Eels and Newcastle, given they came to the competition at the same time, uh, sort of leading the way to a brave new world for the NRLW. Well, have the new, have, sorry, the Knights come in the same time as us because... Just look at that team, and we're going to talk about the preview. They just look like a way uh, more organised team or better team than us. Like they've been together for so long, they gel so quickly, and they were they were worse. They look like more professionals season, than us. Yeah, us, the Titans, and the Knights came at the same time, which would have been last year if it wasn't for COVID. But the twenty twenty one season was played earlier this year, uh, so we all came at the same time. The Knights were worse than us last season, but then they had uh, one of the what will go down as one of the all time recruitment like coups in terms of this competition when they got Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton who have just completely transformed the team alongside the emergence of uh, the Southwell sisters. All right, well, let's jump into some news um, now. Do we even want to touch on the Dalliums? I don't even care. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a joke. I mean, all I will say is that the Eagles were never going to win coach or captain of the year because it's a regular season award. But the fact that Ben Hunt was named as a nominee over Quinton Gufferson and Trent Robinson was named as a nominee over Brad Arthur is an absolute joke and a slap in the face to what the Eels have achieved this year. I mean, we've been disrespected all year. No one viewed us to be in the top four or even let alone a premiership threat. They don't respect us in the, any of the awards. Like, it's just, once again, being disrespected. And, like, uh, it's just, yeah, I'm just saying, hope, hopefully they prove them wrong. Um, You know, like, there was a time where I cared about Italians, but it's it's all rigged. Like, how can you, like, how can you, how is... Nico Hines, how was he the best player this year? You tell him like, oh, and he's a great, he's a great guy. You know, off the field, he's great. But like, he, you know, he, they only beat us by two points, and he, you know, he's. He, I feel as though he's not the best. He's not even the best half. Not even top five halfbacks in the comp. Ne- and I'm not disrespecting him. Nico's win and the fact that it was a historic amount of points achieved at first is reflective of a the the Sharks' relatively soft draw, and B the fact that he was, you know, a, a good young player. The narrative's there, so he he stole all of the votes. I say stole. He you know accrued all of the votes, uh, but. What really rubbed my gears the wrong way, boys, was not the fact that Red was overlooked for Payne Haas and not the fact that Sean Lane lost to Jeremiah Nanai because Nanai in particular at least has a strong case, but Haas, okay, whatever. But the Daily Telegraph revealed their – because they run the Daily M's in terms of the voting. They revealed their shortlist for each of the divisional awards. And despite the fact that Mitchell Moses finished sixth overall for the actual Daily M itself, he wasn't shortlisted for halfback of the year in the positional stuff. Like, what is going on? What are we doing? Like, what is this system? It's buggered, and that's all I care about it. Yeah. That's all I've got to say. Absolutely. Let's, 
Let's move, Let's on. move on to some positive news. <laughs> <laughs> SG Ball Train On Squad has been announced. Um, so there's some familiar names in there. The Distratus, uh, are they brothers? Dom and Ruff? Twin brothers, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Identical twins. Good boys as well. Nice kids. Yeah. And yeah, no, no. A couple of familiar names returning for uh, for the uh, the um, SG Ball Train On Squad for 2023, which will obviously be whittled down um, in the preseason. Yeah. Ham and I were just doing some of the, the background stuff we do for our, you know, not bookkeeping, but, you know, just keeping tabs on the team. Yeah. And. <laughs> Uh, there's a, there's a fair amount of roster retention. There's some um, new faces, both local and interstate, and uh, across other teams in the district as well. So it's very exciting. Um, there's some notable omissions in a good sense as well, which I, I imagine will be revealed when our more senior squads are also named as well. So some cool stuff happening there in the juniors. It looks like we're going to be aggressive in our talent development as always, which is good. And yeah, it's going to be hard to get a gauge on how his team's going to hit the ground running ham uh, because you know there's some turnover in key positions. But there's certainly still talent in the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're going to have some. Actually, I think our starting front row will probably be bought in with uh, Jack Burrows coming from Campbell to Camden from memory. He's mm-hmm. a St. Greg's. Uh, St. Gregory's pilot. College. Yep, and uh, LeBron Tuwala, the big boy. He from, is an absolute um, giant. Queensland. Yeah. Yep. I think they've listed him at two meters tall, hundred and fifteen kilos or something. I think that's what we saw. Yeah, when we had a look at it. Yeah, big boy. Big Hopefully, boy. Um, he's got a bit more, bit more skill. Or even when he comes down, he can define and refine his skills in the mm-hmm. parameter system. Yes, sir. Tasha Gale was named too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So and I think we counted nine returning names or thereabouts, and a lot of court plays there for the Tasha Gale. So really excited to see what they can do in the twenty twenty three season. There's a chance they can go further than what they did this year. Yeah, I was just having a look through a few of the names, and um, obviously with it being such a for lack of a better term, incestuous competition. I suppose all junior grades are. So a couple of girls have been trialling with um, a couple of other teams in the in the competition, which I suppose is a good thing. Goes to show that we're on their radar or players from our district are on um, other teams' radars. So, yeah, good team. I'm interested to see. There's a few girls we had last year that I thought were really key to the team winning. Um, did not realise that they were a year young. Yeah, yes. So uh, there you go. Um Couple in our dummy halves would be good. Ashley Pottinger and Casey Q, um, Alicia Bell. We waxed lyrical last year about her goal kicking. I, I think you count on one hand the amount of goals that she missed uh, throughout the twenty twenty two season. Yeah, absolute sharpshooter. And like you said, Ham, just so many of the core plays. I think we we counted three quarters of the starting spine, four fifths of the actual overall spine. If you factor in the dummy half utility as well on the bench, so there's plenty of uh, talent and experience in the key positions there, and they're going to give it a good shake next year. All right, much more news or well, we start the, jumping into the two two big things in terms of recruitment and retention. I guess Laney, yeah, up. yeah. Sean Lane uh, was uh, touted at the start of the week, three year, roughly two million dollar deal. That's either on the table or in the process of being uh, completed and ratified by the NRL. So obviously a, a big there, a big retention there for the Eels and for Sean Lane, who's as we've, we've spoken about so glowingly in absolutely sensational touch. And the other thing that came up this week was. Uh, David, uh, David Reed. I, I, conf- I always mix up Riccio and, and Reed. So Brent Reed, not David Riccio, was on 360. And we've we've heard the links about Liam Martin, the Parramatta, from the sort of the way the media's been speaking is that the Eels were chasing Liam Martin. Uh, he gave us some insight that Martin, from his perspective, he is more than happy to uh, join the Eels as a destination. So it looks like there's mutual interest there, which probably points towards Isaiah Papali'i not being able to backflip on that contract at the West Tigers. Yeah, I always thought it was a long shot for him to uh to wriggle out yeah, of the yeah 
Um, all right, well, let's now jump into the NRL uh, grand final preview. So we'll start with the women's game, which kicks off ahead of the men's grand final at 3.55pm Sunday to October at Acor Stadium. Uh, so let's have a look through these team lists. So starting, I'll just go through the eel. Uh, no, I'll go through them both. Um, so for Newcastle, Tamika Upton. Oh, far out. I pressed the button and it opened up Abbey Church. Um, <laughs> fullback, Tamika Upton. Uh, oh, Takarangi's sister. I didn't realise she played yes. Newcastle. Yes, yep. Uh, on know. the wing and Packy on the other wing. Uh, Parker and Law in the centres. Kira Dibb and Jesse Southwell in the halves. In the forwards, Caitlin Johnston and Millie Boyle, their captain. So that's the real power there for that, that Newcastle team. Uh, Caitlin Johnson and Millie Boyle have a claim to being uh, two of the better second yeah. rowers uh, in this competition. Yeah. Olivia Higgins at hooker. Uh, Romy Tetzel and Yasmin Clydesdale. And Kyla Romanuk. Romanuk. Is that right? Romanuk, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, Emma Menzelman, Talia Predeben, uh, Carpani and Wheelie on the uh, interchange bench. And Moran, Simon, Davison, Gentle and Barber on the extended bench. Then for the Eels, as she has been all season, Gail Broughton at fullback on the wings, Zali Fay and Tohi Hiku. And then in the centres, Abby Church, Rikea Horn. And then 5'8th is Ashley Quinlan and Talia Preston. In the forwards, Kennedy Cherrington, Ellie Johnston at hooker, Brooke Anderson, Pio and Fulaki on in the second row. And captain, Samama Taufa at lock. Uh, Philomena Hanisi, Malangi, and uh, George and Rima Butler all on the interchange bench with Ruby Jean Kennard, Brooke Morgan Walker, Ruben Cherrington, Tiana Penitani, and Tess Staines all on the extended bench. Um, so having a look at that, obviously Tiana Penitani is racing the clock to be fit to come uh, back to play in the centres. Uh, but having said that, last week, Abby Church, she did an admirable job filling in. Uh, she usually plays on the wing, doesn't she, Church? Am I getting that mixed up? Uh, no, I think she she played centre. I oh, was in the one game she played this year. Uh, round one, she played centre. Okay, might have been. Yep, I got things mixed up there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what can you say? If 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 Penitani comes back in, that's a massive in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you reckon we've got the firepower to go through the uh, through the middle? Obviously, you've got Taufar, who's just an absolute tackling machine in the middle of the field. Um, but Folly Arky on that second row position has been fantastic, and Ellie Johnson up the middle of the field has just been a powerhouse. I'm ready for the Johnson on Johnson violence in this game. It's going to be two absolute powerhouse front rowers going at it, and alongside that, obviously, you talk about Kenny Charrington, Simon Taufar. They're going to lay the like the the bricks for the Eels to attack the, the Knights downhill and it's going to be I imagine it's going to be our left edge it's been our go-to edge in this uh, run that we've had through to the grand final starts of Ash Quinlan and then obviously you got Abby Church and uh, the, the wing is Ali Faye but also the back row of Pio who's got a really really sneaky good offload so I think that they're going to cause some troubles there um, but then after that it's just going to be you know 60s I know on, on the, the tip sheet podcast he thinks that this is going to be the Gail Broughton game that she's going to come out and, you know, she's been good, but now she's going to be great. So uh, I'm going to back him there and uh, hopefully Gail can be the X Factor for the Eels. Yeah, I think it's got to be the forward pack. They're going up against Caitlin Johnson, Millie Boyle, uh, two of the best forwards in the game. But, uh, you know, Romy Teitzel and Yasmin Clydesdale, handy players, but the way Christian Pio has been playing, like you get her the ball and she's offloading. She reminds me of Paulie Paulie. Just, just a body shape. Mm-hmm. The way she's awkward to tackle, she gets an offload going. I, I, 
really, I think she's really good, and you know, hopefully she stays at Parramatta long term. Um, Brooke Anderson coming off, you know, coming in and starting that little grubber. I think she overused it maybe once in the in the last game, but she obviously set up for Taylor Preston for the try. But yeah, that starting starting pack needs to Kennedy Charrington needs to get under the ribs of Millie Boyle, fire her up, get you know, force an error, clap in her face. You know, everything that I hate about Jerome Luai, I love about <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They are quintessential players you hate to play against, love to play with. Uh, and you can understand why Penrith fans are so uh, partisan about uh, about Luai. It's the same thing with us with Kennedy. Just the, the fire and energy and, and the, the grubbiness they bring absolutely rallies your team. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we'll be hoping for a reversal of uh, – uh, the result from earlier in the season, but I think we know that this team will be able to do it. They've hit their vein of form uh, at the back, at the right end of the season, rather, and, uh, you know, we'll be there cheering them on, hopefully a couple a couple of us in person, but uh, if not watching it on the uh, the big screen at home. I think we got three quarters of the podcast going to the grand final, haven't we? Birdies. We do, right. and I, I must thank you, uh, Mr. Forty, for, for getting me some better seats from the ones I was in. I was in the uh, Penrith Supporters Bay, but now oh, upgraded. Oh, glad, glad oh, to get you out me. of there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, so, sorry, 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 Ham. Oh, jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be alone. Having said that, having said that, the the tickets that I did have, I've passed them on to a eel supporting uh, mate yeah, and his daughter. Go. So you'll still have uh, some some moral, moral support the there. there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, well. We, I have to say, if 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 the uh, the the fan day uh, today out at Martin Place is anything to go by, the the crowd's going to be ninety five percent full of gold. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, that would be incredible. That would be such an emotional win for our team as well. Having the stadium being blue and gold and the chance, uh, don't don't sleep on that sort of energy it can give to the boys and the girls too. By the way, that's curious, right? Who is the home team and who gets the, so who gets the home sheds? Because like we were the first one to make it to the final grand final. So do we come out last? Do we come out first? Like how does that work? It'd be because... the Panthers as the home team, right? They got the highest yeah. seed. Yeah. In the so... grand final, don't teams come out together? No, oh. they don't. No. I think the team that finished higher on the ladder comes out first. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched the grand final since 2009, so what would I know? Yeah, because yeah, I think in that one we came out second. I just remember uh, it was the first time I've ever seen it, like them two, our players were coming out, you know, side by side together as opposed to individual. It was, it was a great uh, moment. Up until, uh, and after that, it was just, yeah, forget about that. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get to the preview. Um, we may as well make it there. The, ma- the main event... Uh, so, 7.30pm, again at Acor Stadium, only televised on Channel 9, so unfortunate for everybody, you have to listen to, to Gus rattle off and crap on. <laughs> uh, who's got the main calling gig, given that uh, Rabs is no longer there? Thompson, wouldn't it be? Yeah, Thompson? Yeah, Thompson for sure, yeah. All right, well, let's go through these team lists uh, to start off a couple of big changes, uh, but let's start with the Penrith Panthers, Dylan Edwards at fullback. On the wings, Charlie Staines and Brian To'o, Isaac Tago, rather, Stephen Crichton in the centres. Uh, in the halves, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, captain at halfback. Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris are their starting props. Appy Corusau at hooker. Second row is Viliami Kikau, Liam Martin and Desire Yo at lock. Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lenu and Jamin Salmon all off the bench. 
extended bench has Sean O'Sullivan, Matthew Eisenhuth, Jermaine Hopgood, well, soon to be Eel Jermaine Hopgood, uh, Sania Taruba, and Chris Smith. Then for the Eels at fullback and captain Clint Gutherson. On the wings, Maker Sevo, Wunga Blake, Will Penasini, and Bailey Simonson in the centres, with uh, Opicic not being able to overcome that injury that ruled him out last week as well. In the halves, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses. In the forwards, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo. Reed Marnie at hooker. Sean Lane as I Papali in the second row. Ryan Madison at lock. Interchange bench. The return, Nathan Brown. Wow. So is this a, a, a an old school Nathan go out there the, the and murder, the murder Nathan Cleary? <laughs> the ice and then you can come off. Uh, no. No. I, well, we spoke about it with the Cowboys thing, boys. I think just that floating forward position on the bench has been – so difficult to find the right man for it. You know, we've had guys have different chances, and and uh, now we got Nathan Brown. Hopefully, you know, with 80 minutes just left to play, being the guy that can fill it. All right, and then let's finish off this team list: Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi, Amarada, Nea Corey, extended bench: Bryce Cartwright, Mackenzie Makatoa, Tom Opacic, Ofahigi Ogden, and Rockin Rodwell, all in the extended bench. So, just a couple of things that we'll start off with. Uh, so, Penrith they've been running out whilst naming Appy at starting nine. They've been uh, substituting Mitch Kenny for that first twenty-minute period, and similarly for the Eels, uh, naming Ryan Madison at starting lock, but have been substituting shooting uh, Hakuna Murata at starting 13. Do we expect those teams to run out like that with those changes? Yeah, it's, it's going to be what Penrith are doing, one with Kenny going, starting, and then Murata, Murata the starter. You, might, you know, if it's worked for both teams, why would you change it? Yeah, All right. exactly. Um, and it's for, it's for very similar principles too, isn't it? Soaking up those Toradoli exchanges, Murata being able to tear off through the middle, Mitch Kenny making all the tackles, and then you bring Appy and Matto on, and both teams go up a gear. So it'd be interesting to see who can be the more decisive player when it comes to those uh, interchanges. All right, boys. We we faced off against this team, uh, what was it, three weeks ago, and we came up very short. Um, I know the score was a bit of a blowout, but I think we in the review of that game, uh, whilst we were making errors and, you know, Wagner Blake was having a, a Barry Crocker under the high ball, um, I thought the real turning point in that match was uh, Mitch Moses knocking himself out, which took away any opportunity we had uh, to get back into that game. Um, but this time we come back and we're, we're hopeful that uh, we'll have a, uh, a a Mitch Moses who will stay out there for the whole game. Um, where do you think this game? I'll start with you, Bertie. Uh, what's our best option of attack? Uh, where's our weaknesses? Where's Penrith's weaknesses? Uh, what's your view? Oh man, I just hope we can complete the, you know, hold the ball and complete our sets because, um, you know, Penrith, look, they don't give you anything, you know, they they hardly get penalised, you know, they hardly give away, you know, set restarts. So, you know, we just don't give them cheap possession. Uh, I f- look, a lot of, a lot has been mentioned about, you know, Wonga Blake and his, you know, bomb defusals or kick defusals, but why not just target Toto, you know, take him out um, of play one or you know, tackle zero so he doesn't make that big run, just tackle him. And then you, all you have to do is like you focus on you just you know focus all on Dylan Edwards next next tackle and then you got Charlie Stain so like I don't know why we don't kick towards him you know um, other than that uh, <laughs> I don't know it's 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 so hard like you gotta respect Penrith man they've been the best team the last three years they hardly they don't have many they don't, if anything they don't have a chink in their armor I just feel as though we've just gotta we've just gotta frustrate the shit out of them like go set for set. You know, the way I look at it, we're the underdogs, you know, um, and like Penrith are going to try and knock us out early and we just got to stand there, you know, cop some punishment and just frustrate the crap out of them. You know, there was a time 
I think last year, the year before, where it was a close first half, um, and that will frustrate Penrith. They were they were knocking it on. They were you know pushing passes. I feel as though just stick stick in the fight, and then um you know just take your chances, and um we'll we'll have plenty of chances. Uh, I feel as though Dylan Brand will have a great game. Um, you know, breakout. He you know he's he's one broken tackle. He's one, he breaks one tackle. He's in the clear, and you know Edwards is you know he's like a he can't defend at at the back. He, you know he. He thinks he's fitting the ground too much. So one tackle broken, and you know I feel as though he'll break it up. And look, I don't expect much from Nathan Brown. You know he's been out of the, out of the squad for a while, but just don't come and do something stupid. You know, just make your tackles. I don't want you pushing, um, holding down the plate of ball or anything like that. So yeah, other than that, good luck to the boys. <laughs> I, I believe in them. Forty. Yeah. Like Bertie said, this Penrith team is just so well-rounded. It is difficult to look at their roster and find a weakness. The game will start and and possibly, in a way, finish with what we can do in the middle. You know, it's on Dunes and Reg, Murata, Maddo, Reed, Oregon, Brownie, that battery of middle forwards to contest the ruck, hopefully win the ruck, uh, contain Appy Coruscant in particular on return, but also the likes of Fisher-Harris. Uh, you know, just the guys that they really feed – uh, the Penrith juggernaut through the middle. But uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, you know, once again, you look at Penrith and it's hard to find a weakness, but at the same time, the Eels, and it's probably why we've been able to beat them twice this year and three times, including the trial, we can attack Penrith in a way that a lot of other teams can't in unique ways. And, you know, it obviously starts with our forwards with the ability to have guys like Junior Barlow and uh, Ryan Madison ball play. Uh, Reed Marnie himself too can be really nice in the red zone with that ability to both uh, kick and pass but then you go to the halves Dylan an absolute you know beast running the ball Moses is the complete package uh, but out, out further wide it's the back rollers for me and uh, you know Ice always been able to get over the ad line it's really frustrating for opposition defences Lane just being that uh, completely unique package being able to run pass offload so I, I think there is probably where the, the keys to victory lie between their halves and our back rollers and then if you were to look at the one weakness, maybe in terms of a head-to-head matchup, uh, it'd be down our left edge with Mike Seva up against the Forbes Ferrari in uh, Charlie Stain. So maybe if we can just ISO Charlie with uh, with the big fella one-on-one and Micah, maybe we can exploit that. But outside of that, you know, you just look to all your core players. You know, it starts with the captains, Guffo and Junior, the playmakers. Everyone just needs to aim up. This, this is a game where if you give Penrith the inch, they will take the mile. So... Be in it, like Bertie said, set for set, completion for completion, play for play, 80 minutes, boys. And, and if you have to go the extra time, obviously more than that, but in terms of regulation, 80 minutes. Just go hard. Yeah, yeah I, you mentioned that we have the game 40 to trouble Penrith, and I think you're right because we like to hit our edges. We like to have unders lines. That's where Penrith – that's that's Penrith's defensive strategy is smash teams early, pick them up, drive them back, dominate that middle – and pray, pray that they go one out. Because if you shift too wide against Penrith and then go back in under, you'll catch them out. You'll get you'll get a few meters because they'll be coming back onside. That's that's where we need to be. And they also, it's it's risky. It's it's going to be a risky play. But if we can get those late offloads like we did against Canberra, that'll go a long way as well. Because Penrith, you know, they have the huge gang tackle. They have four in the tackle. If you can get slip and offload away. You're going to pull apart that defensive line. That's when you're going to get quick play the ball. Excuse me. That's when you're going to have Dill and Moses running. That's what that's what we want. We want to see those two running. We want to see unders from uh, Laney and Papa. And then we, you know, 
Two wide, go the middle. Two wide, go the middle. That should be that's four tackles in a in a, a good set. And then he gets hit kick, and then you've got to go down there. I think if you can kick him behind Toto and get him taking that first ruck, if you can get him taking that first ruck. Mm-hmm. You just got to worry about Dylan Edwards because Charlie Staines, he's not a ruckman. He's not rucking the ball out like those two are. So if you can get Toto. Get Wanga Blake, get Penasini to hit him hard, get him on his back. You've won play one, and then you've got to look out for Dylan Edwards and then um, Isaac Targo as well. So that's how you think... beat That's Sorry, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I think when we played them last time, To'o, they put him up against Sevo. Do we think that'll uh, that'll occur this time oh, as well? A little bit of chess play, yeah, Dude. maybe. Maybe. I could definitely see it trying to nullify one of our strengths. Uh, but that I suppose, suppose tangential to that, a lot, of, a lot understand was the amount of Wanga Blake's weakness on the high ball. But I think there was some stats put up that Brian Toto actually has a worse diffusal rate than uh, yeah, he's fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely opportunities there for Parramatta to exploit in return. The only time like I've been worried about Wanga with the high ball, <clears throat> excuse me, was when Nathan Cleary started putting him up. Because then since then he's just lost his confidence. Before that, I, I didn't, I wasn't concerned about Wanga under the high. I, th- ball. I think he had the, uh, that that. Melbourne Storm game we were referencing earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, he had a bit of a Barry Crocker in that one too. But yeah, I think it needs to be situational. Like, yes, if you're on a trial line, you've probably got to go up for them. If you're 20 metres out or 30 metres out, let them bounce. Hold back, let them bounce, be ready for it to go wherever. Because 95% you're going to drop. There's a 50% chance that you're going to get the ball back after a bounce. So I just think that Wanga needs to let that ball bounce. And if they do have the switch where Toto goes up against Sivo, that's our kicking target. That's our kicking target on that side of the field. I know we'd like to hit Laney a little bit closer, but we've set up all year. We've gone to Laney and uh, Dylan on that, um, just on the outside of the post or on the post, aim for that little bit wider because I'll be rushing in for that short kick. That's where uh, psychology comes into it because I'll be ready for it to hit Lane. You kick across the Toto, they won't be prepared for it. All right. Well, touching on that, um, Clint Gutherson and the, his positional play at fullback, we reckon he'll be uh, assisting and getting in there and helping out um, Wonga Blake uh, with some of those kickbacks because uh, it, he's been a lot safer than he was earlier in the season under the high ball. And uh, Maker Sebo, he's not really um, someone we've really had to worry about under the high ball recently. Um, He's, he's really attacked them and just been fantastic. Mm. Uh, but I think I agree with you all uh, that, that it all starts through the middle and especially utilising our second half a lot more. I thought in that game about two weeks ago, we really relied upon yeah. trying to bash and barge right through the middle and use our uh, uh, predominantly use Reg, Dunes and um, Murata, um, where I thought both Sean and Ice didn't get as much quality ball as they, they, they really should have, and that was also Penrith's line speed. Um, but again, one of the big changes coming this week, uh, we, we've touched on it, uh, there seems to be a, a massive blue and gold support to get out there and get tickets and be there. If we can get a rocking crowd, uh, that'll nullify a little bit of what occurred out at Penrith Park because when we were out there, I have to say, it, it was 90% Panthers fans the other way around. It was very difficult to get tickets. Um so, you know, that home ground advantage, the chance, the atmosphere that you create, we saw how um, much that contributed to a great performance when we played the Raiders in week two of the finals, uh, albeit at Combank Stadium. But um, that's really something that can help to nullify Penrith. Um, well, at least uh, having, having those supporters there. 
But added to that, um, with Mitch Kenny starting, or we, we suspect he'll be starting, I, I think that's where we really need to get on top is early. Um, because once Appy comes on, he's one of the craftiest dummy halves in the game. Uh, his ability to go one way and then and, and reverse once he gets to the ruck uh, and direct defence with his eyes while he's doing something else with his body uh, is second to none in the competition. Um, and if you can get some points above and, and make Penrith chase you down, I, I know they, they easily chased down South last week. Um, but, you know, we need to, to 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 keep up that stat of if we're drawing or or, or in front at half time, uh, we're going to go on and win it. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to hit the ground running. Obviously, not have to dig yourself out of deficit in the first half. And yeah, we get into oranges with the lead or a share of the lead there, and suddenly we've got everything to play for. I agree. And again, confidence for this team. Like um, you know. I thought last week we, we were getting absolutely bashed pillar to post in the first uh, 10 minutes, but came away with that try against the run of play, albeit off a forward pass. Um, but, you know, if we get the early lead, I, I've got all confidence this team, all confidence in this team um, to really try and nail that home. And, you know, we've seen in the last two games, uh, they've really, uh, between these two sides, they've really been determined by an injury or in the case of the uh, the previous game, uh, some foul play to the halfbacks or foul play from the halfbacks. Um, so, you know, anything can happen. It's a grand final. It's, uh, fuck, this is what you live for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your team to have a chance in one of this, and I, I, I know everybody else has been on cloud nine this week, but, you know, we're 80 minutes away. And from some of the shitty performances we put in this year, <laughs> I think I've always said throughout the season that, you know, our season rise and falls on what we're going to do in the finals. And this team has been looking towards this moment the whole season. Uh, they've got here and now they've got, what, 80 minutes away uh, from uh, rugby league immortality. Um, so all I can say is get out there, uh, get to the stadium. If you've got those tickets, they were snapped up within minutes. I had an absolute hell of a time actually getting through. Um, oh, mate, I did a lot of people. I thought I missed. I thought I missed out on tickets, so I just started crying. I was like, I, I can't believe I'm going to miss this. 13 um, years. 13 years it took, and I, I thought I'd miss tickets. And there's a lot of people that have, and the the debacle with ticket allocation, they need they need to change it. They need to change. Like, I sh- I've, got, I've got three season tickets, right? I should not be able to go there and buy eight tickets. I shouldn't. Simple as that. I should not be able to. I should not be allowed to. It should be... From here forth, how many season tickets you've got? The club gets there, you know. I know they pre-sell them and everything, so they can't do this, especially for a team like Parramatta. But if they held, what we have 20,000 20, season ticket holders, more. I think we're like thirty thousand. Whether or not they're, oh, oh no, you said ticket. That's members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So with ticket, I don't, I don't know the the ratio there, but with ticketed members, surely they could go to the clubs. All right, you've got twenty thousand tickets. We're going to give you twenty thousand tickets. You contact your members. They'll say yes. Please put me down for. I have three season tickets. I would like three grand final tickets in the Parramatta section. Done. You know, it 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 would have to be well. You because you, you don't have to be worried about four teams to do it. And then because you could just tell them like if this happens, well then email your t- email your supporters as soon as it happens. Like it's a joke. It's an absolute joke that. Season ticket holders have missed out. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, I have to say, I was I was in court at the time and just furiously refreshing on the phone. And um, 
as I said, the first uh, first uh, getting into there was in the Penrith Panthers Supporters Bay because that was the only place to get tickets. So mm. I can only imagine that most Parramatta fans had got in, and that was right on 10 a.m. and like loaded up the site 20 minutes beforehand. Yep. So I got through that thing right on on 10 o'clock and still could hardly get anything. So um, to everybody who's able to go, how fantastic of an opportunity to get there! Time for predictions, boys. Predictions, Bertie. So. Yeah, look, I think we're going to win. Oh, we are going to win. Um, I reckon we'll win. Positive so, words. Oh man, I've you know I, I've tipped them every week, even though half the time I'm half drunk or you know high on something. But I am confident we're going to win. You know, I feel as though the players are you know um, you, you all mentioned it so much to play for. I think the I think Panthers are not hungry enough to win it. I'm going to say Parramatta twenty, Panthers twelve. First try scorer, I'm going to go Sean Lane. You know, I know. Um, Crichton, uh, you know, he likes to go for an intercept. I think Crichton's on his side. If he's not, well, it's the other guy. I feel as though a short ball, they're going to, you know, D- Dylan Brown will probably dummy the long pass and just feed it to Sean Lane. And yeah, he'll just be too big and too strong for Dylan Edwards. And yeah, I just feel as though uh, this game will hinge on whether or not Dylan Brown, um, if he can break the shackles of uh, their, de- their defense, you know, um, if he can break it open, you know, I can see him terrorizing them. He's got the speed and strength. So yeah, first try score Lane. And then, uh, sorry, 20 to 12. Whatever it is, I forgot already. 20 to 12. <laughs> All right, 40. The uh, the little kid in me wants this to be a blowout akin to the, was it 08? Um, Manly versus Melbourne when uh, the, the Seagulls shot on the Cameron Smith parade there. Uh, well, Cameron Smith, I think, was rubbed out for that game. But as we annihilated the Melbourne Storm, I, I would love nothing more than the Eels to exercise the demons of this 36-year drought with one of the most emphatic grand final victories of all time. But the reality, the unfortunate reality, is that if we are going to win, Penrith probably going to make us fight for every point. Uh, I'll tip a 25-24 game, which means it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, first try scorer, I think we go to the well. We go to Mike Acevo, get to the big Fiji and over the line there. Best on field, the Clive Churchill medalist. There's going to be, If we win, there's going to be a number of guys that will be right up there. But uh, narrative is king for these things. And much like with the 2015 grand final, where we saw Jonathan Thurston, who was not worthy of the Clive Churchill back then, I think Mitchell Moses is going to have a good game um, and be one of the best players. Maybe not the best player, but one of the best players. And because he is the halfback, because he is the Peter Sterling curse breaker, uh, because of everything that has been about Mitchell and the Parramatta Eels ever since coming over in 2017, he'll be the Clive Churchill medalist. Yeah. Like 40, I was thinking about it before. I was going, what would, what would I want the score to be? I want it to be 41 nil. That's what I want. <laughs> But being a Parramatta supporter, being semi-realistic, semi-optimistic, um, I believe uh, they've been pushing the mantra, mantra of DTD, dare to dream. Um, I dare to dream that it's going to be uh, 14 to 8. Ooh. Um, two tries and a penalty goal versus a penalty goal and a try. First try scorer, Reg. Reg. You know, you know who statistically is probably the guy? It's probably Will Penasini based on the final series. Yes. It is, but it's hey, not can you just stop snaking me? Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be Reggie. He's going to score underneath the post. And the speakers at a core stadium are going to play Love Me Sexy. Love Me Sexy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of, a lot of Love Sexy going on <laughs> after the game. Um, Clive Churchill, Reed Marnie. Oh, I like Reed Marnie. Yeah, what a way to go out. Yeah, he's just he's he's turned me around. He's turned me around. I I'm I was just when when he first signed with the Dogs, I was disappointed. 
I was going, why did we let him go? Throughout the year, I've just gone off him, just completely off him. Thought, you know, he's got all the skill, but there's just a few things in his game that's he hasn't progressed like I thought he would. This final series, he's shown an absolute passion. He's shown heart, and that's what I like in a footy player. I, you know, you can have all the skill, but if you if you have pride for that Parramatta jersey, that's what I like seeing. And the boss man himself, Hamish, bring it home. All right. Uh, it's served me well, this prediction, the last two weeks. Eels, 40 nil. Yes. <laughs> and our first try scorer, William Penasini. And Clive Churchill, Dill Bags. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mate, he's got the coach's daughter. That's all he needs left. <laughs> um, boys, it's been a ride this year. It's been fantastic uh, reviewing and previewing these games every week with you. And, um, you know, I'm so glad that we're all going to be able to watch this this weekend. You know, back in 2017 when we started this, that was our first time in the finals in, what, seven years at that point? Yep. Eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, seven years. Sorry, seven years. Yeah. And uh, now, you know, after five years doing this, we're, we're all going to be in a grand final. And, you know, come what may, Sunday night, at what about 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock at night. Um, this has been a really fantastic year and really enjoyed it with the boys here. And yep. um, to all our listeners, you know, uh, lis- listening rates this year have just exploded. Uh, so uh, get around the pod, enjoy the listen. It's all free content. Um, we've never asked you for a dollar and we, we don't intend to in the future. No uh, ads, get over to- no Patreon. No Patreon, no ads. Um, you know, the same thing over for 40 uh, for the boys over at the Cumberland Throw and, and the podcast you do with 60s. It's all fantastic stuff, all free content, um, all for, for, you know, people that just love Parramatta uh, uh, right down deep in their heart. I'm just happy to, to spit out content for everybody uh, free Best and so much better than that Fox crap, you know, yeah. that comes out and all the crap headlines that have come out this week. This is content by people who love this team and, uh, you know, just want to see them. Uh, get over the top on the weekend. So um, get around it, and uh, we hope to be previewing a double grand final win next week. Well, if, but if we're not, it's been a ride. If we if we do win, I expect to see all the listeners out in Parramatta for about three days nonstop. Of a <laughs> I've, already, I've already told work I'm not coming in Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. maybe Thursday, Friday. Well, if, if we win, Hamish, I might need your phone number because I live around the corner from a Penrith Panthers player, <laughs> and I might need your legal help because I'm going to do some dirty things. And mate, mate, I'm on the wrong side now. You know, I went for the yeah, good guys, the, not the bad guys. He's the prosecution side, not the defence. I'll take one for the team, but yeah. I'll, there's one for, last year, that, that house in the street was so annoying. It's like around the corner. It's pissing me off, but if we win, ho, ho. Mate, my Posca will be coming out. <laughs> the Poscas. Uh, <laughs> All right, cheers, boys, and go the Eels. Godspeed, embarrassing bastards. Thank you.